Good morning, everyone. With me this morning is gubernatorial candidate Governor Bill Walker. He is joined by his running mate, Heidi Dragas. Good morning, you two. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Well, how's been the campaign trail, Governor? It's been it's been busy. It's been exciting. Um, we have met tons of folks. Uh, we were up at five this morning. Uh, spent some time on the Lacante. Um, Love the Marine Highway system. It brings back lots of memories. And and uh, uh, so it's uh, we put in we put in uh, we're treating uh, uh, the campaign like an opener. And uh, the season closes in about uh, 35 days. So we're going to make the most every day. I think it's 34. 34? Okay. Oh, 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 we lost a day. Well, so. well, don't worry, keep Governor. That. You're operating on the same schedule line. <laughs> yeah, okay. Keep the, keep the nets in the water. Yeah. <laughs> but what brought you to Southeast today? I well, saw you were up in Kodiak for that fishery. We were in Kodiak today. on Monday, and, and we're here today. We're there for, for uh, uh, the, the fish uh, debates, and we're here, and you know, today for the uh, the char is having a uh, uh, debate here. So we're here for that. And uh, so, uh, and it's just, of course, Heidi lives here, and so it's, it's, uh, it's just good to be back in June. During that Kodiak debate, though, you said an issue you'd like to see done is addressing the aging of Alaska's commercial fishermen. Share with us what you were talking about regarding the cost of entry. You say it's too high? It is way too high. And, and a couple things. One is just, just getting the perm, a permit is, is sort of out of reach uh, for, for, you know, coming into into that business. You know, it's, it's few businesses, you know, you have to get a storefront, you have to get some staff, you have to get some inventory. But to go out and, and, and buy the permit to be able to, to have that, to be in business is, is difficult. So we need some, some programs, financial that will assist in some low-interest loans, long-term repayment, uh, so they can go out and, and acquire those those permits for uh, fishing, whatever whatever gear type they, they're in the area they, they plan to fish in. So there's that. I know the university has some some training programs for, for new fishermen, and I think that I've spoken at a, at a couple of those classes, and uh, I think that's I think that's phenomenal. But really, the biggest part is is a is a way that they can get involved without um, uh, you know in, in within their reach on on getting permits. Uh, on another topic, as you may be aware, our tour season is wrapping up here in June. Our last ship is actually on the 18th. And this season, I'd stress the need for both workers as well as affordable housing to put them in. On housing, you had suggested on an AARP questionnaire that a statewide land trust could bring down the cost of housing. Tell us about that. You know, we're one of three states in the nation that do not have a state land trust. We need We need to have a state land trust. But more importantly, we need to make sure the local government has the have the tools to work with. And I'll, I'll use Sitka as an example. They have the Sitka Land Trust, and they're in the process of building 14 homes um, that will sell for uh, in the trust. Uh, you can buy the home, and it's um, approximately two hundred sixty-six thousand dollars. And the home is a three-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath home. It's very nice. I mean, they're not huge in palatial rooms. The bedrooms are, are, are not, you know, huge, but they're, they're, they're certainly adequate. They're not small, I don't think. I didn't, I didn't sense that. It's another unit, though. It, yeah, exactly. So, it, it's, it's, what, it, so it, it's being done in local government, and, and, and where the state has a role, I think, is in the state land trust. And so we have heard literally every community we've gone to in Alaska, we've gone to a lot of them in the past year, year plus, um, every single one talks about two issues, affordable affordable housing and affordable uh, quality uh, child care. Those two things, I think, are what, what is it's holding back um, our state's economy. 
are there any policies or resources you'd like to see addressed to uh, to use to address affordable housing? Well, I, th- I think one thing we can do is, is make sure in the state inventory of land, if there's land that's available, it can be used and put into a trust for, you know, for a, a housing uh, project uh, on affordable housing, we should do that. Um, and we, we, ha- we have, I mean, obviously the state has a, a fair amount of land. The federal government has a tremendous amount of land, but we need to find the appropriate land and, and figure out how do we get that into a trust because when you put it into a trust, the, you don't actually sell the land. You sell the house, you just sell the house, and, the, and it comes with a 99-year lease, actually similar to what they do in Hawaii, a lot, of, a lot of places, a long-term lease. So you're not buying the land, you're buying the house on the land, and you can stay there as long as you want, and when you sell it in the, in the same arrangement, in that situation in Sitka, you can only recapture 25% of the upside of the value of the house so that it always is, it will be an affordable house. No matter how many times it turns over, it will always remain an affordable affordable housing. Now, Heidi, I wanted to bring you in since you live here in Juneau. What have you been hearing? You know, we've been all over the state and we actually just met with um, Brian Holst at the Juneau Economic Development Corporation. And, you know, it's... I think that it's, I think for a lot of folks that are in the economic development field, and thank God that they are, there's, there are, the only thing that's holding our economy back, I think, is, is ourselves in that, you know, in, to, to have a thriving economy, um, one of the most critical things that you can do is invest in education. You know, every family, every parent wants a strong education system for their children. And and people look at that in Alaska and our and our education system um, for, you know, K to 12, certainly. And um, our university system is struggling. I mean, I, we were talking to one of the gentlemen that works there. His wife is a music teacher, um, K through five music, music teacher. But right now she's also the kindergarten teacher. And she's also the librarian because there aren't enough substitute teachers uh-huh. um, to come in and substitute. And there, there's a you know statewide we have we're 1,100 teachers short in the state. We have a, a busing crisis because we don't have enough school bus drivers. We have some really significant problems in this state, and you know we can't have a thriving economy without a strong education system. It is something that I know when I was young, I grew up in Fairbanks. You know, my dad was a carpenter. My mom was a cook at the Pioneer Home, but I had a great education. We, you know, it was our, you know, I was, was the first class at my school. I went to Weller Elementary. We had, um, it was almost a private school education because in at that time in Alaska, certainly in the Fairbanks North Shore Borough, we invested in education, but there's, there's not enough resources to go around and I certainly don't blame the the school board I think the school board is doing the very best that it can with its limited resources we really need to invest in education we need to invest in our university um, I, I know a lot of folks are concerned about investing in you know the university um, system wide but also in the University of Alaska Southeast and um, that I think it could be doing so much more for for Juno and for all of Southeast, um, but it's hampered. It's hampered by an administration right now that that sees the you know the university system almost more of a hindrance. I mean, you know, let's not forget that one of the first things that Mike Dunleavy did when he walked into office is propose a forty percent 
cut to the university system. And that's a gut punch. You know, I'm a graduate of, of the university system. You cannot have a thriving economy. You cannot have strong businesses um, without a thriving and healthy education system. It's one of the cornerstones of an, a strong um, a strong economy. You look at every other state, every other country that has thriving economy, one of its cornerstones is a strong um, education system. So I think there's a lot of folks really concerned about education right now. Yeah, and when you think about the f- bringing folks to the state, they'll look at something like that, like education, or in this case, also the housing. Mm-hmm. So I, I see what you're saying. Well, I'm worried about it too. I mean, I have a four and a half year old daughter, and she's going to be starting um, school next year in the in the Juno school system. And I I want a school system that that um, I know will will um, she will thrive in. And I'm really worried about that. I talk to a lot of my friends who have kids in the school district right now, and they are worried. Um, we're sort of at a um, inflection point, I think, with our education system. And um, I, I think that we, you know, something that someone told us recently is that, um, you know, we need to, to look at education beyond just kind of reading, writing, arithmetic, but looking at it holistically as, as something for our greater community, um, but also as, as, a, as an economic driver for, um, you know, for, for strong, um, a strong citizenry and, um, you know, something foundational so that we have an economy to kind of grow on those, um, you know, individuals that stay here and learn here and, you know, end up, you know, having families here. And anyway, it's just it's just foundational. Uh, on another topic, I wanted to share some data with you from the south from the southeast by the numbers report for this year this is by raincoast data they said that ridership on the ferries is down saying that from 2012 to 2021 ridership in the ferry is down 73 percent i wanted to ask you governor what does this signal to you it signals to me that we're doing something wrong it signals to me that that our schedules are 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 becoming more challenging um you know as we end up with fewer and fewer ferries and then you know then then the various ones have mechanicals and and we're on the mother conti is 50 is 50 years old this year you know that's unheard of in in uh in the the marine world necessarily is is, uh, 20 to 30 years but to 50 so we need to make sure that they're they have the, the proper maintenance you know we used to have the ferries used to be the the, you know, I'm from Valdez. When the when the ferry came into Valdez, it was the best restaurant in town. Just floated in, had white tablecloths, and you'd take the family down maybe once a year, twice a year you could afford it, and, and you'd have dinner on the ferry. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we we've gone from that to cut back, cut back, cut back. We've closed the you know the bars on the ferry. We don't have as much you know some have the Con- it does, but they don't they have a sort of a kiosk of of, of food. It's was it just it's just become um, something different than we've had in the past. And so, and then. You know, you know, and many people have told us that the you know, schedule was challenging, and the schedule is absolutely no fault of the crews, absolutely not. Uh, that, that we need to do a better job in, in on, on scheduling. You know, in, in Ketchikan, there used to be a, you know, a couple trips a, a week to, to Prince Rupert. Now it's once a month. So of course, of course, ridership is down. They have figured out other other ways, or trying to figure out other ways, or they just they just don't use it. So, um, you know, if, if Alaska Airlines had cut back the way we have on the marine highway system, their ridership would be down as well. So it's a matter of providing the service that is that is needed uh, to the folks that need it. Well, and we have almost gotten to a point where you you if you book a ride on the ferry, you have to have a backup plan. 
because you never know what will happen. You don't know if the ferry will actually go because we have so many maintenance problems. Our boats are so old and um, we don't we don't have a plan um, or an effective plan to handle that. And we have this incredible opportunity with this bipartisan infrastructure bill and the money that um, that it will bring in specifically for our marine highway system. It can be transformational. We have a real opportunity in this moment um, to to restore the marine highway system to its former glory. But you need leadership that values the marine highway system and what it does and what it is for coastal Alaska and in particular southeast Alaska. I mean, it is how we, um, you know, it's how we interact with other communities. It is how we attend medical appointments and, um, you know, uh, you know, appointments, you know, legal appointments. It's how kids on sporting teams go to different communities and interact with other children. It's, it is a, it's kind of a cornerstone of, of, you know, not just our way of life here, but it's how we transport goods and services. I mean, we were on Lakani and you saw, we saw roofing materials. We saw other building materials all, you know, wrapped up. I mean, this is, it is a huge part of our economy, but it's unreliable. I mean, you, you know, and so it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all that ridership is down 71%. I mean, I think we just need to look at the Marine Highway and maybe change the model you know, there's things that we can do, and Bill and I have talked about this with other individuals too. I mean, how do we how do we innovate? How do we um, you know take the marine highway? Maybe we take it out from under the Department of Transportation. Maybe it's its own standalone entity. Um, you know, thinking about how do, how do we restore it to its former glory? Because I mean, that's certainly not going to happen under this current governor. This 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 current governor, Governor Dunleavy, is just antagonistic to the marine highway system, and I think he just I. Think I think if more Alaskans spent time on the ferry system or spent time in Southeast, I mean, he's kind of been absent. I think, you know, I'm, I, I've never seen the lights on at the, at the, at the governor's house. I don't think he's there that much. Um, I think that he would, or anybody would come to value it um, as we do down here in Southeast is that it's just a critical part of, of, of our way of life. And it's, um, you know, slowly but steadily being dismantled. And when I went to, when I was in high school back in 2015, 2016, I remember riding the ferry for my debate team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was a cheaper alternative yep. than yep. airplane flying. Mm-hmm. And we were able to reliably get back and forth. And now I don't know what the status of that kind of transportation is. But what you said leads into my next question for you, Governor, because I had read that during the AMHS reform program you did during your administration, it yielded the recommendation of reducing the system's entanglement in the political process. And so what can be done to further that recommendation if you do receive a term? As far as taking the politics out of it? As, as far as taking the politics I'd love out to of have, it. I'd, like, I'd love to have the Marine Highway System funded through an endowment and just take it out of the whole, the whole legislative process and an endowment specifically for the Marine Highway System. They have that in other countries that are resource-rich uh, resource countries. And so, uh, you know, I know there's been a representative, a Speaker Stutes has introduced, um, not introduced, but put together a task force that I think makes, makes sense to look at that. You know, Heidi's correct that, that, you know, the DOT, you know, it was combined years ago for efficiency purposes. And I'm afraid that sometimes the Marine Highway System 
system has has become a bit of a stepchild to to other other projects. We have 242 airports in Alaska. We have 12 highways, um, and so you know it's a matter of, of priority. And so I think that it makes sense for it to be sort of a standalone. Um, and I think that you I think you have to you have to want it. You have to want it to be something different, and and not just uh, how do we get through another year. And and so I I think we need more aggressive about what we what we wanted to we want to bring it back, you know it's not like you know that's part of my problem is that I I've, I've been here all my life, um, I remember when the Malaspina first came into Valdez you know back in the in the in the sixties, um, and we need to get back to where we, where we used to be with the Marine Highway System on on you know from, from Dutch Harbor all the way to uh, you know the Kajikan and points in between, uh, it's an important part of I mean we are a coastal state and and so the Marine Highway System is a critical critical part of the of the of the of our state's economy and with that we're going to take a brief break we'll be right back and we're back with gubernatorial candidate governor bill walker and his running mate heidi dreykus governor i was curious about your observations regarding ranked choice voting in practice well, I, I like it myself. Um, we're independent. Uh, we're a unity ticket. I'm sort of in Republican moved to the middle, and, and Heidi is a Democratic moved to the middle, and so we're we're a unity ticket, and I, I like it. it. It I think it allows for moderates to uh, who are just focused on common sense solutions, or not necessarily uh, on on partisan issues, uh, to uh, uh, to be more successful. So I, I like ranked choice voting. Heidi, you have a thought? I really like it. One of the things I like. The most about it is I like the open primary concept. I think, you know, in our previous uh, election system, we had these the partisan primaries um, where you had to sort of pick your team. And what would happen is you'd sort of get the the most partisan result out of each of those primaries. And what would happen is is candidates that didn't necessarily reflect Alaska. I mean, 60% of Alaskans are registered as either independents or nonpartisans. So most Alaskans sort of live in that in that center. So the nice thing about an open primary is that everybody runs together in one, you know, in one big primary. You vote for your favorite, and then those top four vote getters go through to the general. So I think it's a it, it has the potential to be much more representative of the kind of leadership that Alaska um, wants to to see. At a few of the debates, Governor, you've been asking voters to rank yourself and Gara. It's quite the change-up, having to suggest voters who you, they who they would like to see ranked second in an election. But as we saw from the special election, it is those voters that could make the difference. What do you think? Well, it is a second vote that makes a difference. There's no question about that. And and I do encourage those, and, and he does the same. Um, and certainly, you know, encourage them to rank us first, but but uh, but go ahead and, and rank, uh, you know, in a Representative Guerra a second and, and vice versa. So we're going after every first-place vote. But it's a second-place vote also that makes a huge difference, as we saw in the, in the primary before. So this will be our second time through ranked choice voting, and, and I think it's you've seen the importance of that second of that second vote and um so um yes it is unusual you know one thing i like it 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 tends to bring more civility to the process uh and that's something that i think uh, we could always use a little more civility in in uh in in politics it's an unusual thing to have those words in the same sentence but um i so i think that will bring more civility i think absolutely and i think there's a reason that we're doing that i mean the one of the reasons 
I think the primary reason we're running is because we are dissatisfied with the leadership under Mike Dunleavy. And so for us, more more than anything, the most important thing to do is unseat this current governor who is uh, leading Alaska in the wrong direction. So for us, it makes sense. You know, we have the, there's a fourth candidate in there who's doesn't effectively not really running. Um, you know, so, you know, that that's why, you know, we have we've told our supporters, you know, rank us first. But but rank Les Guerra second. I mean, hey, Les Guerra shows up, you know, yeah. we show up. We've been you know, there's been, I think, 11 debates. And I use the term debates in quotes because, you know, Mike Dunleavy has only been able to show up to one um, and he's got another one. Um, and there's another one today that he's going to be missing. He's conveniently scheduled a, a press conference right in the middle of it. Um, you know, that's it, it. It almost seems deliberate and obstructionist at this point. Now, I wanted to take us to our I think we have only enough time for this question left here. Governor, there's been groups advocating on both sides of the of the constitutional convention question this year. I understand you've said that you are unequivocally against it. I was hoping you could explain why. Yeah, I'm unequivocally a no on the Constitutional Convention for a couple of reasons. I think our Constitution is fine. You know, I think the last thing, right now we have a lot of unknowns in our state, a lot of instability in our state. We have no, there's no fiscal plan whatsoever. Uh, you know, a, a, a unfortunate war in, in Europe is not a fiscal plan. We've done well financially by it, but that we can't sit back and, and think there's going to be a war every time we need additional money. So with no fiscal plan, instability uh, I, I we don't need to add more instability by shredding our constitution and spending uh, years putting together another constitution it was one of the last ones obviously that was formed that was created and, it, and a lot of thought went into that so I, I you know there's been amendments since then there's amendment process if someone wants to you know tweak it and do it sort of surgically I, I you know there's a process for that um, and so I am I, I think it would um, uh, throw our state into even more turmoil and more uncertainty and more divisiveness to to uh, shred the Constitution, start over with a blank sheet of paper, and, and uh, so away we go from there. The other thing is right now there's no campaign limits in Alaska. Now, we hope that's going to change. When we're in office, we will make sure that we'll push to, to get that to taken care of. But assuming we're not in office and um, and we have the current administration um, and we end up with no no campaign Constitution limits, um, anybody can come in and, and um, you know, throw down some, some big money on one, or one side or the other. Uh, on the Constitution itself, and that concerns me. It should be the, the Alaskan Constitution, not the you know who can who can garner the most uh, financial support Constitution. We've got our last minute here. Is there anything either of you would like to add before we close out? You know, I, I think I think if I could, uh, Heidi, I don't. Um, I, we really enjoyed living in Juneau. We really did. You know, I, I come back. There's lots of good memories in this in this community. You know, I am I am running um, for governor uh, because we lack vision in the state. We don't have a vision. We don't have. We haven't planned our flag of where we want to be in 25 or 50 years. We we seem to a vision seems to roll in, in in election cycles or re-election cycles, and that's not a vision. You know, we are imploding as a state. 
you know, we're seeing that in the, in the, in the school system. We're down 1,100 teachers. There's no, no education job fair in Alaska for the first time in probably 30 years. Uh, because why would we have a job fair? There's, we have such a shortage. No one's looking to come into Alaska, climbing to, to stand in line like they, like they used to, uh, hoping to get a position in Alaska. So, you know, you can kick the can down the road only so long, and eventually the can kicks back. And I think that's what we're seeing across the state is the can's kicking back in many areas of our state. And we are, we are quietly, slowly imploding. And the numbers that you mentioned about the ridership on the ferry is on the marine highway system, that is um, uh, indicative of what's happening sort of across the state. So too many Alaskans are leaving Alaskans, uh, 25,000 young people, 16 to 26, roughly. 34% of that age bracket have left Alaska in the last couple of years. We are losing population uh, because there's no vision. Uh, you know, we need to we need to make sure the, the 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 future is there for our young people, and you know, and, and I'm I'm very passionate about bringing down the cost of energy. You know, one of the highest costs of, of, of operating the marine highway system is our cost of energy. That's energy we make in the state from our own our own our own oil. We need to stop selling it to ourselves at the highest price, get it down to an affordable price and, and certainly we need the renewable energy will do that. But the other the last thing is the, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. We will go after that aggressively, absolutely aggressively, because there's so much we can do in Alaska on coastal you know, uh, maybe because I was the governor of no, you know, when you're losing four billion dollars a year, uh, seven million dollars a day, it's you gotta say no an awful lot. I'm a bill I'm coming a builder. I'm a, my, my passion is building things. So this is an opportunity we've never had before and we'll never have again. But we have to have an administration in there that is aggressive to go after that infrastructure. A lot of it is for coastal infrastructure. Boy, we could certainly use coastal infrastructure. We certainly need more roads in this state. So we need we need to go after that aggressively. And that's exactly what we will do uh, as governor and lieutenant governor. Uh, Heidi, I saw that Bill got you that from from a, for a moment. So if <laughs> If you just take a brief second, then we're going to go and close. You know, I just wanted to add that right now we have a governor who's the governor of South Central. And we need a governor of all of Alaska. And that means Southeast Alaska. And, you know, the current governor has neglected um, this part of the state. And, um, you know, I live here. Um, my husband and I are raising our family here. My, my daughter is a, a sixth generation Alaskan. And, you know, Southeast Alaska is, is one of the one of the most beautiful parts and critical parts of all of Alaska. So we are running to represent all of Alaska, and that includes Southeast Alaska. Thank you both for attending today. Uh, and thank you all for listening. I am way out of time, so I'll take you to Problem Corner. This is Kevin signing off. Yeah. <laughs>